Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, 950th episode special from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's episode is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the program at support.greatdetectives.net. Uh, well, we're going to have a, do something a little different for our 950th episode. We've got a lot of programs that uh, have hundreds of episodes that people enjoyed for years and years. However, there's an entirely different group of uh, programs, some that were never heard, unaired pilots, and this is one of them. Uh, the program is the McCoy. The star is Howard Duff. Uh, original record, uh, recording date, as it was never aired, was April the 22nd, 1951, and the title is The Th uh, Three Wayward Girls. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. NBC, the national broadcasting company. This is the McCoy. The national broadcasting company presents the McCoy, starring Howard Duff. Door open. What do you want me to say to your door? Sesame? All right. Sesame. There's anything I hate is a door that has to be coaxed. Take that. Mike McCoy, Criminal Investigations, file number 354, 22 April 1951, Los Angeles, California, where else? Case, the uh, Three Wayward Girls. It was 5.20 of a dirty day. The sun beat through the smog and still had strength enough to kiss the summer dresses walking Sunset Strip. The girls walking their poodles home to Daddy, who'd had a hard day at the office. Having nothing better to do, the dogs and I chatted. I uh, took my leave, and I tiptoed through the Cadillacs, patted their saucy fishtails, watched my hand turn green, then walked into Shea Mason's on the strip. The kindly picture folk were already there, exchanging pills from matching cloisonne pill boxes and discussing the high cost of nervous breakdowns. Then Herm, the maitre d', saw me, ad-libbed his way through all that box office gold, offered me two things. Mabel, knew she'd phoned three times, and the specialty of the house, Admiral Haughty Goulash with matzo ball. I took the matzo ball. 
The fork was cutting through their delicate contours when there was a hand on my hand. Fool that I am, it annoyed me. But when I saw that the moist hand on mine belonged to Phil Gardner, peddler, talent agent, shill for plaid dinner jackets, it annoyed me even more. Only a minute, Mike. Scooch over a little bit. I'll sit down next to you. You want something, huh, Phil? I'll tell you how I know. You keep licking your lips, your handshakes, which reminds me, take back your hand. I've had it. Mike, I want you to go to work for me. Right now. From this minute, you're on salary. Yeah, with expenses. Per diem. Philzy, my monster balls are growing colder. It's for Toby. Toby Drake. I'm putting you on the payroll. You remember Toby built you up to her, gave you a knockdown to her? You had a season's pass with her. You remember Toby. What's the matter, Phil? The girl getting lonely for the McCoy again? Mm -hmm. Lonelier than you know, Mike. The girl's being threatened. With phone calls, with poison letters. You're doing real good, Phil. Mike, Mike, listen. Listen close because I'm going to almost whisper. Well, that should be refreshing, but not so close. Somebody's going to kill her. Yeah, murder her dead. Toby's my client. It shouldn't happen to my client to die from an anonymous threat. You tried, Phil. You really did. Mr. Gardner, there's a phone call for you. Will you take it here? Thanks, Charlie. Mike, you've got to pay attention to me. you got to. I got, uh, matzo balls. Gardner speaking. Snap it out. I'm busy. Huh? Huh? No. Yeah, huh? No. Yeah. Phil, why don't you talk to me like that when you talk to me? You're dynamite with monosyllables. Oh, but now you'll believe, skeptic. Toby's dead. No jokes, Phil. I'm not in the mood. Her boyfriend just called. I should be the first to know. I tell you, she's dead. Dead? If you're kidding me... Look, I'll drive you over in my cat. I'll put the top down, Mike. Sure. Sure. You wouldn't want to go to a funeral any other way, would you, Phil? This way. There, you see? You see, Mike? What did I tell you? She's dead. My client. Shut up. The place was swarming with new things. New chintz curtains, fresh upholstery, and Beverly Hills Oriental knickknacks cluttering the Grand Rapids high boy. There was a big overstuffed chair near the door that I remembered. And Phil climbed into it and put his chin in his hands to watch. I walked over to the three-piece sectional. Toby Drake was lying there, her hand trailing down on the floor. I couldn't see her face until the big man stood up. Somebody wrapped that black silk stocking too tight around her neck. You know her, Mike? Yeah, I knew her when she looked better. I liked her. She laughed at my jokes. You wrapped the stocking? You only ask because you're a cop, huh, Koska? I only ask because if I were a cop, I'd ask. The call came and said get here because there was a dead girl named Toby Drake. And on the way down, I toyed with the name. Then I remembered she used to laugh at your jokes. And all of a sudden, you're here. Why? Ask him. What is it? Something they have around town. An agent. He's Toby's. He's an agent? Hmm. I gotta look. You're an agent, eh? Well, now. Well, well. Let me bend my face close because I've never seen one of you before. Talk to me, agent. I want to hear. Well, Lieutenant. Just Detective Costa. Go ahead, go ahead. It, it was like this. Mike and me sit there at Mason's, two and five. And the phone was brought over. The man on the other end says it's Roy Fulton. And he says his girlfriend's dead. Honest, I, I'm broken up about this. Well, now. Well, well. You wrap the stocking agent? Me wrap? Leave him alone, Costa. Leave him alone. Agents only kill other agents. Thanks a lot, Mike. I'll jot it down in the book. You've been hired, Mike? 
I was, but I don't know if I'm still working. You're working? All the way, Mike. Find out for me who killed my client, Toby. Oh, you're hired. Are these guys employ you, huh? Look, Koska, I got a crummy license and I'm in a crummy business because people sneak up dark alleys, because people hate, people rob, people strangle. That's where my money comes from because people do all those things. What do you want me to do? Apologize for earning a buck? You want me to crawl? Or maybe just bow low enough so you can pat me on top of the head and say, Oh, now, Mike. Oh, now, Mike. Yeah. Where's the boyfriend? He's in the bedroom. He's a guy by the name of Roy Fulton. He hardly says a word to me. Maybe you're not his type. Well, go talk to him, Mike. Go tell him it's okay that you should talk to him. Let me count the ways I love thee to the depths and breadth and height myself and reach and feeling out of sight. I... Go on. Go on. I like it. Who are you? I'm uh, Mike McCoy. I'm a criminal investigator. Toby's dead. She was murdered, Mr. Fulton. I'm trying to find out who did it. We had a date. I came here. I saw her. I didn't lose my head. I called her agent. Then I called the police. Did you kill her? No. But she should have been more careful. Girls like her. What kind of a girl did you think she was? Very pretty. In my whole grief, in my childhood faith, I love thee with a love. Uh, Mr. Fulton. I seem to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath. Mr. Fulton. I'll tears of all my life, and if God choose, I shall but love thee better after his death. I couldn't get through to him anymore. The poetry he spotted stood between us. In his own way, Mr. Fulton was grieving. So I got out of the place. Then a fascinating 20 minutes on the center lane of Pico Boulevard, getting dared by the pedestrians and the swarms of cars on both sides of me. The parking lots had just hung their 50 cents till closing signs when I drove up to the office building on Olive. Then to the corner beanery and a few reminiscences about Toby Drake. Toby, a kid who had once won a title, something like Miss Donegal Tweed in Patterson, New Jersey. Expenses paid to Hollywood, shake hands with the stars, lunch at the Derby. A nice kid. A pretty kid. Now dead. I bought a paper and went upstairs. Sesame. I had to rent an office that once belonged to a Persian rug merchant. Crescent Call Service. McCoy, baby. Any calls for me? You know who, Mike? Mabel? Four times. What happens to a girl when she goes out with you? She's got a call every half hour and a half hour? I'm delicate. They worry. You worry about me, Judy? Cut it out, Mike. You worry about me, don't you, kid? You got another call with a message. You want it? Sure, Judy, sure. Go ahead. I'll listen. Goes like this. First, Toby, then Stella Martin. You can't stop it, McCoy. First, Toby, then Stella Martin. You ad-libbing this, Judy? It says right here. Who left the message? The man said it and hung up. What's Stella Martin to me? I wish I knew, baby. We had a Stella Martin who used his service a long time ago, an actress or something. I used to get calls for her. You discontinued. You got an address on her? No more. Why don't you try central casting? Said no. Yeah, yeah, I should have thought of that. Thanks a lot. Take this card, Mr. McCoy. Take it. Uh, yes, Miss Ford. Fill it out. Central Casting wants to know your age, weight, height, color of eyes. They do? Uh, it does? Gosh. You're fit. You're new. They'll eat you up. Hmm? Uh, for color of eyes, put heart-shattering robin's egg blue. 
I haven't been well. Are the space where it says experience? Leave it blank. I'll fill it in myself. Steady, girl. Two can play at that game. It'll all be so simple. You put yourself in these two hands. I devote myself to you, heart and brain. Mm -hmm. Make you the most exciting thing in pictures. The most exciting. Uh, Steady, girl. Heel, heel. Don't back away from me. Don't be frightened of me, Miss McCoy. It's not that I'm frightened, Miss Ford. It's just that my metabolism's a little sluggish today. You're a fool. Worse. A hard-headed, stupid, moronic, cretin fool. Hard-headed? They'll tell you outside what you want to know. Get out. No, no. Now, you tell me, baby. Hmm, baby? What do you want? Well, right now, the address of Stella Martin, actress, after that, we'll uh, meet in conclave, shall we? I'll have to look it up. In the files. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Stella Martin dropped from our ready file. Non-payment of dues. Oh, well, there must be an address where you done it. Las Flores Hotel on Selma. The Las Flores Hotel. Well, that burned down last month. It should happen to you, Mister McCoy. <sighs> Come on, I'll open a door for you. No hard feelings, huh, baby? Miss Ford, baby. I'll remember you always. Bye. Cute kid. Make a note, McCoy. Must wear chest protector. Car. I called your phone service, Mike. They told me where you were. I've been looking for you. You're taking my money. You don't even call me on the telephone. You know a girl named Stella Martin, Philzy? Stella? What's she got to do with Toby's gun? You know her, Philzy? Well, a couple of weeks ago, a girl came into my office, Stella Martin, pleaded I should put her on my client's list. Only no talent, you know what I mean? To soothe her tear-stained face, I took her home. Let's all the way to Westchester. I've never been to Westchester. Make it come true, huh, Philzy? It was just nine o'clock when Agent Phil let me off in front of a redwood frame house in Westchester. Then he suddenly remembered he had to pick up a client at the airport, and speedy Phil Gardner, game to the core, went back into the traffic again. The walk up to the house was lined with rose trees, carefully tended, and on every fourth one, there was a rose. But there was only one doorbell, so I knew just what to do. You want what, Mr. Stella Martin. She live here? Yo, who? Mike McCoy, Investigations. You got a card says that? Let's go inside, huh? Just you got a card. Just show me. Is Miss Martin here? No card, huh? If I say, yeah, she's here, then what happens? I said inside. Now, where is she? I'm glad you pushed me, son. Now I got a reason. What? No! When I opened my eyes, the guy was still there, all seven feet of him. They ain't gonna take me, Shaman. They ain't gonna take me. This time, I played at Brainy. I peeped first. He was gone. I got to my feet. I got to my feet. Fell down, then finally made it over to the hallway where there should have been a bathroom and a towel and some water. The thing that stopped me was the girl in the negligee. She was sitting on the floor against the wall. She was blonde, and her head was turned to one side as if she was wondering about me. There was a stocking tied around her throat, and she was dead. (laughs) 
And now, back to the McCoy, starring Howard Duff. I didn't know whether I'd been out for a few minutes or a few days. I decided on the minutes because the girl's body was still warm and death hadn't taken charge long enough to wipe the prettiness out of her face. I'd seen her a couple of times long ago in the jungle picture spliced between the main feature and the newsreel, the girl in the puttees who gets chased by the lion, Stella Martin. I stopped trying to convince myself it wasn't real. It was real, all right, and I didn't need the pounding on the door to knock it into my head. I didn't need Casca either, but I had him. What is this, Mike? You on a rampage? You want to know what happened, or you want to be a big man? Now, just be gentle with me. That's all I want you to do, Mike. Fifteen minutes ago, I was in a warm bed. Just be gentle. I got slugged. A man seven feet tall in a black leather jacket. Hmm. Look, Mike. I spent five hours questioning Roy Fulton about the murder of his girlfriend, Toby. Nothing. He quoted poetry. Then I climbed into this warm bed, and I was sleeping fine. Then Sergeant Hurd called. It seems someone phoned in this address to Sergeant Hurd. You were saying what, Mike? She's in the hallway, propped up against the wall. Show me. Here she is. She's young and she's strangled and her name's Stella Martin. You want to clear it up for me? You want to listen about a guy in a black leather jacket? Seven feet tall, eh? Yeah, seven feet tall. Find him. That shouldn't be tough for a sharp fellow like you. Now, don't be sour on me, Mike. You took some lumps and you... Hmm. You see this, kid? What? This. Holding something in her hand. Well, now. Well, well. Read it, Mike. Read what it says on the paper. There'll be another one tomorrow, McCoy. Another one tomorrow, McCoy. McCoy. Well, now. What makes me so popular, Costco? Why doesn't it say your name? Why doesn't it say Sergeant Hurd? Because it says McCoy. Because it says the name of a guy I stumble over when I get out of a warm bed. Because you know things you're not telling me and you're not going to tell me because you think it's clever to obstruct justice. What am I going to do with you, Mike? Take you downtown and sweat you? Watch you be a hero because you won't tell me what you know? Get out of here, Mike. Get out. And then to my room in Las Palmas, pull the Murphy bed down, adjust the beaten frame to the broken spring, and lullaby yourself to sleep with what makes two girls dead from a pair of silk stockings. What made Stella Martin and Toby Drake so close they had to hug death in the same way? And the next morning, Saturday, torn out of sleep by the sound of the mockingbird screaming the name of Phil Gardner, agent. I told them to button their bills and went there. Girls drop like flies where you walk, McCoy. Oh, turn your gyp sheet into my girl in the cashier's cage. She'll pay you off. Kiss you goodbye for the firm. She'll also give you all the messages from Mabel we've been taking for you. Uh, what's the matter, Phil? Only yesterday we were in love, you and I. So what does it buy me? A lousy ride to a place where the morning paper says a has-been is dead? Call her by name, Phil. Because you must have called her by name lots of times. Stella Martin. Let me hear you say it. Okay, Keep away from me, Mike. I told you, I hardly knew the dame. Say a name, Phil. She's dead. The least you can do for her is to say a name. <laughs> say it. Don't... Or else she'll break my arm. Huh? Here, here, and here. Stella Martin. You kill her, Phil? My arm, Mike. I'll need it to sign your check. How long have you known Stella? 
three months ago pickup from Dorcas driving on Santa Monica. A guy gets lonesome for a car hop like Stella. A friendly pickup, so help me. You did lovely, Phil. Now, tell me one thing more. You know a man who wears a leather jacket who's seven feet tall? Somebody help me. I got a madman loose. Bye, Philzy. For two lovers like we, you've made the morning stink. I got to the drive-in on Santa Monica. A cowgirl with a menu and a pair of heavy-duty sheer dungarees threw a card on my windshield that said Phyllis on it. Dorcas, she asked back. Why, that's old Mel over that away, mixing up a parcel of nuts and cheese for the Super Burger. I, uh, moseyed on over to old Mel, but the critter saw me coming and snapped his galluses at me. Howdy. Yep. Do tell. Uh, Mike McCoy, criminal investigation. Melvin Dork, a short order fella. Howdy. Howdy. You the manager of this place, Mel? Former. Vegas? Hmm? Tenderfoot talk, don't let it throw you. I, uh, need some information, Mel. Who'd you say you be... Uh, uh, Mike McCoy, Criminal Investigations, I.B. Don't be a gravel kicker, son. Speak up. What's on your mind? Know a girl named Toby Drake, Mel? Knowed her. Used to work here. One named Stella Martin? Yep. She's due to work this morning. She ain't gonna make it, though. She's dead. Her and Toby. Choked. Clean it in the Gazette. I need your help, Mel. Oh, deputize me, huh? Well, I don't know. I just don't know. If you don't help, there's liable to be another dead girl. Yeah, Peggy. Who? What's the matter with you, son? You got monkeys in your ears. I said Peggy. Peggy Bryan. On account of them three girls with thicker than a bobcat's tail. Do tell. Thicker than that even. Peggy used to work here, too. Drove to work in Toby's auto. You know where I can find Peggy? North Hollywood she lives in. You wait a little bit. I'll dig up her address. You want to wait, son, or do you got to be riding on? You'll wait, won't you? I'll wait, Melv. I'll wait. I'll wait. Talk to the neighbors inside, Peggy. Come on. Hush, baby girl. Hush. See? I'll let you go. Nothing to be scared of. Don't do that. Scream, but don't do that. Kill me. Get it over with so I can rest. Kill me. Try to understand. I'm an investigator. I'm hired out. Sometimes I keep people from dying. Sometimes I don't make it. Now help me, baby, so I can help you. That way will save us both a lot of pain. You're right. Isn't it so right? Sure. Now, uh, whoever killed Toby and Stella, why would they want to kill you? Tell me, Peggy. Uh, a woman was killed. We killed her. What woman? I don't know. I can't even remember her name. It was three years ago. Toby, Stella, and I, we had a little car. A jalopy. One day. One day. One day what? This woman crashed into it. It was her fault. Honest, it was her fault. And she was killed. A married woman. The police said it wasn't our fault. It's the only reason. Why else would anyone want us dead? It's Saturday, Peggy. What do you do with yourself on Saturday? I shop for groceries. We're in the hospital sometimes. I, I need a new one. We'll go buy you one. And tonight. 
What'll we do tonight? You mean you're asking me for a date? Mm-hmm. What'll we do tonight, Peggy? Saturday nights, I usually go to Ocean Park. It's fun. Rides and people and fellas. It's fun. Sure it is. Saturday night, Ocean Park. We'll have fun. Then I made a lot of phone calls to my call service to tell them I was going to Ocean Park with a girl named Peggy Bryan. They told me that Mabel was keeping her line open for me. I told them to tell Mabel to, uh, to keep it open. Then I called Agent Phil Gardner and let him know where I was going. Next, I got Tosca on the phone. I didn't tell him anything. I asked him something. But no tall man in a black leather jacket was newly arrived in the pokey. Finally, I called Roy Fulton, Toby's boyfriend, the man who quoted poetry, and let him know all about my plans for the evening. And then, nothing daunted, I took Peggy Bryan by the arm, opened the door for her, and bowed her into my car with a flourish. At Ocean Park, I bowed her out. The least I could do was to make it gay for her. After all, she was my personal pigeon. Let's just walk for a while, Mike. Whatever you say. You hungry, Peggy? Uh-uh. Let's go on the roller coaster. Sure. Peggy. What? Just stand still for a moment. Look around you. See anybody you know? No, Mike. Let's go on the roller coaster. Right. eat now? I always have fried shrimp when I come to Ocean Park. Yeah, me too. I know what you're doing, Mike. Sure you do. I'm on a Saturday night date with a nice girl. You think you'll find me here, Mike? You want me to level, don't you? Is she going to kill me? Not while I'm here. Come on, let's eat. Take his place. Thanks. Let's go, Peggy. Stay close to me, Mike. A girl can get lost in the fun house. A girl can get lost, period. Mike. Oh, Mike. What's the matter, honey? Nothing. I'm having such a good time. You ever been through that spinning barrel? I always fall down. I'll hold your hand. Mike. What? That man. Huh? That man over there who watched the fire ticket. Which man? The tall one. The one wearing that black leather jacket. Yeah, I see him. Peggy, walk through that spinning barrel. Fall down if you have to, but get right up and get out on the other side. Go on, I'm right in back of you. He's following us. Get out of this thing fast. I'm staying. I've been telling you something. I've been waiting. Now talk, talk and say, help me. You crazy Sherman. Talk! You think I killed her? I didn't kill Stella. She was dead when I got there. I swear she was dead. Yeah, yeah, sure she was. And you come in, I went crazy. 
I wanted to kill something to get even. Why are you following me? Because you're a shaman. If you get to the killer, I want a piece of him. I didn't kill Stella. You gotta believe me. You gotta. <laughs> Peggy, what's the matter? The mirror! Look! The mirror! He was in the mirror, all right. His reflection in the crazy, rippled mirror of the funhouse. Roy Fulton's reflection. Long and thin, as if he'd been squeezed together. This time, there was no poetry. Just a gun. I pulled Peggy down on the floor with me. The crowd scattered, and there was nothing in Fulton's way. I was lucky. My shot got to him, but he kept coming. Then it caught up with him. But he didn't fall. Fulton. They killed my wife. They killed her. Sesame. Hello, Miss Ford. Remember me? You wanted me for the uh, talking pictures? Yeah. Oh, Mike. Mm-hmm. Oh, you saw it in the papers. That's right, Roy Fulton. Yeah, his wife had been killed in the automobile accident, and he blamed those three girls for it. He was uh, definitely off his rocker. Uh, baby. Uh, baby, Miss Ford. Uh, what are you doing tonight? A ballet dancer. Instead of me? But a ballet dancer. Miss Ford. Miss Ford. Miss... I'll be seeing you with all your familiar faces. Hello, uh, Mabel. This is the McCoy. The McCoy, starring Howard Duff, is written, directed, and produced by David Friedkin and Morton Fine with music composed and conducted by Walter Schumann. This has been an NBC Hollywood Program Department presentation. Welcome back. Well, this was a, a good program. Um, David Freakin and Mort Fine, with Walter Schumann doing the music, Howard Duff as the star, and even Sheldon Leonard as the uh, uh, police officer, uh, which is definitely um, it's definitely a bit of a change. Usually plays uh, kind of a gangster on another on the other uh, side of the law. Uh, but did well as the uh, hard-boiled uh, police officer. Howard Duff in this uh, role, kind of a little bit different um, from his uh, Sam Spade uh, 
uh, characterization. I thought the McCoy was uh, maybe a, a little warmer, more sympathetic uh, character in that uh, regard. So Sam Spade a lot more um, uh, uh, could be a lot more uh, ruthless, uh, a little softer in this one, and I think that that worked. The reason the program wasn't uh, picked up was uh, because of Duff's uh, political problems at the time. Uh, still not resolved. It would be several years until they were so that he would uh, be accepted as an actor again. But he was still kind of on the outs of the, the point here with some rumors that turned out not to be correct of uh, communist uh, ties uh, in the midst of the uh, investigations of the 50s. This script uh, would be reused uh, on yours truly, Johnny Dollar, on January 16th, 1953. It would become The Starlet Matter, which we played for you on November 25th of uh, 2011. And this was, in my mind, one of the better, that was one of the better John Lunn episodes of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Um, but... Uh, that said, I still don't think it was quite as good as the uh, original um, audition for the McCoy with Howard Duff. So, an interesting series that uh, could have been quite entertaining. Well, all right. Well, that will actually do it for today. We will be back tomorrow with uh, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.